0: Funding for WPLN News comes from you, our listeners, and Bernstein Private Wealth, working with creators and innovators to invest with intention and build the legacy they want to leave behind. More at Bernstein.com. I'm
1: Khalil Ikelona, and this is Nashville. Who doesn't remember the 2002 film Drumline? It was a huge hit. I mean, how could you not get excited when the rival drumlines faced off in the final scene? The adrenaline you see is not just movie magic. That's how it really goes down. If you've watched the TSU football game, you know what I'm talking about. Halftime comes around, and you can bet no one is taking a bathroom break or getting refreshments. They know the real show is about to begin. Nashville is home to one of the most prominent marching bands in the country. Tennessee State University's aristocrat of bands. They're often high-stepping on some of the nation's biggest stages, including presidential inaugurations, the Rose Parade, and NFL halftime shows. But now, they've released a studio album that blends their marching band tradition with gospel.
2: a sermon. Amen to the new kid. I'm all stoned out though. We need a revolution. Every church need a rapper. I'm the new Martin Luther. We can save all the trappers. With the soul of Larry Hoover. Ooh, I just want the tables to flip. I, I just put y'all on the drip. Baptist waiting on the lips. Something ready? Words every clip. Church people keeping
0: on their lips. Kids are about to tell me
1: That's dance revival from the band's album, The Urban Hymnal. It's the record of the week for our sister station, WNXP. Joining us now to talk about how the album got made and its significance is WNXP editorial director, Julie Haidt. Hey, Julie.
0: Hey, glad to be back.
1: Always glad to have you. So when you hear a track like that, what jumps out at you?
0: so many things the energy i think that is the 267th time that i've listened to that song <laughs> okay <laughs> at this at this point you know i can't stop listening to it but when you listen to that track you hear The massive vocal performance of Ja'Kalen Carr, you hear in that drum part, you can feel in your chest the round resonance of the bass drums or certain parts where you can hear that regimented crack of the snare drums and the drum line, those horn lines, and that little clever little part where they snuck in a lick from, I believe it's the Pink Panther uh, theme, you know, to show just the multifaceted cleverness of the arrangement. Arrangements all of that
1: now, you know what you're talking about not only because you're a fantastic music journalist But I understand you also have spent some time marching yourself.
0: That is true I brought my sticks these uh, these are the last sticks I ever Bought when I marched uh, in high school, led the drum line at Astronaut High School, had a lot of fun, got into a lot of trouble, but uh, nothing, nothing on the level of the AOB. That's a whole different, whole different ballgame.
1: Okay, so TSU's aristocratic bands has quite the reputation. Tell us more about their legacy.
0: I mean, when you think of the AOB, you just think of a top-tier, first-rate performing institution. You think of the live performances in so many different formats. I mean, you know, you've already mentioned on television and NFL halftime shows, parades too, the, the Rose Parade, those kinds of things where you're experiencing the power and discipline and spirit of the band and the visual aspect of it, too. But, mm-hmm. you know, that's that's about um, the live performance. So to make an album and try and capture so many different sides of performance, that is that is a whole different groundbreaking thing. OK, so where
1: did this idea for a studio album come from?
0: I mean, it, it came from some minds meeting and doing brainstorming. It was it was when it was when Larry Jenkins, assistant band director who leads the artists and residency program for TSU, sat down with the writer, producer, artist Sir The Baptist, and started thinking about. What what an artist residency could accomplish on behalf of the students in the program that would be educational, but also, you know, go well beyond that experience and and invest in um, in the future of the program and ultimately be something that's, you know, bigger than anyone expected.
1: That's really cool. Um, It seems like it was a big undertaking. huh? Yeah. Tell me tell me a little bit more about the logistics of it being made.
0: That's that's a, an understatement. When I, I asked Sir the Baptist how many people were involved in the making of this album, and he estimated a thousand or more, even, wow. you know, because there are just so many students and the band, four choirs on there, you know, just um a massive crew of gospel stars that that lent their talents to it and so many people involved in the making of it and i really really wanted to find out how in the world they you know from a recording perspective harnessed and singled out and focused on the power of you know all the different sections of the band all the textures and things that they that they do and can do so that was a really fascinating thing. You know, I I had uh, Larry Jenkins and Sir the Baptist walk me around the band room where they had done a lot of the recording and show me, like, how did you, how in the world did you mic it all? You know, you can't just mm-hmm. put one microphone in the band room and capture that kind of dimension and depth. So they were showing me, you know, walking down each line of chairs into each section and capturing different takes. And there's just such... You know experimentation and innovation to that aspect of it to make to make this album what it is.
1: I want to talk about the gospel element a little bit. You know, um, they partnered with some pretty big gospel singers, right?
0: That is right. You heard Jacelyn Carr on uh, the, on Dance Revival. Kier Sheard is on there. Fred Hammond, Molly Music. And so, so many others, Dallas Austin's on there. I mean, just, um, you know, multiple generations of huge gospel names that invested their talents in this because Sir the Baptist has those kinds of connections, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, he's produced an album for Kiara Sheard that was nominated for a Grammy, so it was a matter of making use of those connections and kind of sharing the vision, you know, selling people on the vision. And I think in a a lot of cases, when he reached out to those artists, he was also asking them to do some kind of mentoring, you know, with the students and to help raise the profile of the project, to do their part, to to help promote it, too. So it wasn't just, can you put your vocals on this track? You know, there's more to it than that. Why gospel? Tell me that. I mean, this album really brings together towering musical traditions, the HBCU band tradition, the gospel tradition. Also, I mean, elements of the hip hop recording tradition as well. And those are things that coexist and mingle in so many different ways. But this was a new way of Using them, you know, and I mean, when I I got to speak with um, one of the drum majors, Curtis Olawumi, who you know plays um, a fantastic trumpet solo on this album, mm. and talking with him about his musical background leading up to this point, it's certainly involved playing in church, you know, yeah. and he has um, grandparents who are ministers, and so. You know, for a lot of students in the band, too, who've used their talents in in church, this is a a closing the circle kind of thing. Mm.
1: Now, you got to sit next to Sir the Baptist as he broke down one of the tracks, right?
0: I did. I did. Sir the Baptist pulled up his laptop and he showed me because I asked, how in the world did you layer together the band performance elements and also add, you know, 808s and synthesizers and things like that. And he said, I'll show you.
2: Okay. I have bass coming with the piano. That's the basic part of it. The other part of it is over drums, the actual marching band drums. I'm putting drums that would give us the hip hop vibe, so. right. So that's just the track itself. Then I turn it over to Larry and go, okay, let's make this make sense for the marching band. It's going into a fresh new thing that Gospel's never had before, which is a marching band. I'm going out the yeah, I'm going out the- right into a hymn. The process of it all is why I wanted to pull up the guts so that you can see it, right?
0: Yeah, you can hear mm. it all dissected right there. Yeah. I mean, you can get a sense of. All of the different layers of songwriting and arranging and the band, you know, mastering the arrangement and all of those those horn parts and the and the, the bones that are underneath it. I mean, right there, you get a little demonstrate, a little taste of why it took a thousand people. <laughs> mm-hmm. Talk about <laughs> a rejoiceful that.
1: noise that definitely was there. Now, tell me, what what did the students get out of this?
0: I mean the the students had this great immersive experience they're still in the midst of their education and they're getting a professional recording experience I mean they're you know learning firsthand what it takes to get a a fantastic clean take when you're recording a track to do it over and over and over again and do it a little bit differently and do it with this emphasis and you know that that kind of thing and they did a photo shoot you know there are all these facets of engaging with with different people who were part of the creation of the album too and learning about the promotion process and what it takes to put it out so it's kind of like learning by doing but you know when i spoke with with curtis oluwumi about it he said i never thought i would be you know taking part in a project like this during my my college years so yeah
1: so what's next for the band and the album
0: I mean, it's out there in the world now, and Dance Revival, or a clip of it, you can hear in an—I've i have heard it in an ad that's for a, a competition sponsored by McDonald's, and I suspect that that is probably not the last place that we're going to hear, you know, some of these tracks pop up in the world. Um, I mean, its it's out there now, so people are listening to it and engaging with it, and— yeah, I mean, it's it's sort of open-ended, I would say.
1: Julie Height is Editorial Director at our sister station, WNXP. TSU's Aristocrat Bands is the record of the week for WNXP. Check out Julie's story on it at WNXP.org. Julie, you rock. Thanks again.
0: Thanks for having me.
1: We have to take a short break. When we come back, we'll invite one of the masterminds behind the album into the conversation and dive into the legacy of TSU's marching band. Whether you've been in a marching band yourself or just enjoyed them from the stands, we want to hear from you. So tweet us at This Is Nashville. We'll be right back. Lake Kelowna, and this is Nashville. That was TSU's marching band, the Aristocrat of Bands, paying tribute to rapper Young Dolph during halftime at at the Southern Heritage Classic rivalry game in Memphis between Jackson State and Tennessee State. The roar of the crowd tells you just how special a moment they created on the field. My next guest is behind that energy. Larry Jenkins is the assistant director of bands at Tennessee State University and a former member of the Aristocrat of Bands. He joins me now, Larry Thank you for being here, my friend. Welcome to This is Nashville. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. It's good to see you as always, my brother. It's a pleasure. It's a pleasure. Just a a little bit of transparency. When I did my test interview here at WPLN to be the host of this show, you were my first guest, my first interview. Wow, Wow. this is deja vu. Yeah, that's right. Here we are, full circle. (laughs) So, you know, tell me, when when you hear clips of the band performing, how do you feel?
3: You know, I, I think I feel really good in knowing that I was a part of that moment, like seeing it all come together, seeing when the students started to click and really get it right. And um, also being able to like hear the crowd and the audience and see how we made people feel, so it always makes me feel good to relive some of those moments, retrace the steps, think about the students who, uh, you know, we were in contact with for that moment because the band changes every year, mm-hmm. so it's always special. So as we've been discussing, the band just released this gospel, wonderful gospel album, Ur- the Urban Hymnal. Congratulations on that! Ooh, thank you so much. Thank you. What does it mean to you? Oh my goodness. This this album means honestly the world. Um, this is such a special project. It's, we call it legacy work. Um, something where we're leaving something behind that will touch you know not only people now but generations and generations of people to come. This is one that, you know, we can all be proud of, our university, all our HBCU community. It, it really, it, it hits home hard. It, it's how we say we it, it hits different. It hits different. It hits different.
1: So how's it hitting differently for your students? How are they reacting to this great accomplishment?
3: You know what? I think once they heard it, especially, it was a wow moment, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I think about how, how special it is that, that, that time when you're in college, but also think about being young, being, you know, 18, 19, 20, whatever the case may be, and maybe not even understanding the gravity of everything at the moment. You know, sometimes we say, oh, you'll get it in 10 years. You know, mm-hmm. it'll, it'll, it'll hit you a little later. But I think it hit a lot of our students um, and, and, you know, hit hit home. Once the album released and they could hear it, they see themselves on the cover and it's just like a whoa we made history moment. I mean this is a major first, right? Absolutely. I mean that that's nothing new for
1: the AOB. I mean, what are some of the uh, what are some of the other firsts the AOB
3: has been a part of? Oh, wow. So um, this is, you know, you, you, you're, you're in the AOB's uh, lane right here. Yeah. But, um, you know, we call ourselves a band The first, the first to be on um, national television doing a halftime show for the NFL. Um, you know, we were the first to do, the HBCU to do uh, a presidential inauguration, and, you know, we've done several since then. This is a, a, a first that I think, I haven't heard anything else um, for doing the uh, international soccer game from like New Zealand, Mexico. I mean, just mm-hmm. all types of them. And then, to our knowledge, the first HBCU to play on the White House lawn. We played for President Obama and all the guests for the opening of the um, National Museum of African-American History and Culture in D.C. So, you know, and now the album. That's a whole lot of firsts. So, <laughs> so what does this
1: mean? What does this album mean for the HBCU style of marching band
3: music? And what is its place? In the music industry wow i think the place i'll start on the back question first the, the the places it has is its own you know this is brand new um you've heard you know maybe a band sampled on something or um any other time you might put up apple apple music spotify and hear um you know some clips from someone at a game or fight song this is totally different you know this is its own original music but it also culturally is uh fusing you know, gospel. And with that being the case, you know, we're taking these two just entities that are such a big part of our culture, being the HBCU, our institutions, um, specifically TSU in this case, and taking gospel music, which is such a big part of our culture and heritage, and merging these two huge, iconic just things together to produce this package, which I think creates an amazing, amazing new space for, um, you know, bands and just culture period. My next guest is a part
1: of that culture. Austin A, a.k.a. A. willa is a saxophonist, TSU grad, A.O.B. alum, and now part-time teacher at W.O. Smith Community Music School, A. willa Thanks for being here, man.
4: Definitely, man. Thank you for having
1: me. So what memories come to mind when you hear clips
4: of the A.O.B. playing? Ah, man, just listening to that clip that you just played of the A.O.B., I mean, brought back so—I mean, the energy— is unmatched i mean everything from hearing that drum line at your back you know Mm. um to hearing that crowd roar when you do that show song and that, that concert song i mean the the dance you know that's the one of the major parts of you know the show style is is the dance routine you know i mean just everything about um just just that one clip that I heard just brought back so many memories. I could see people like in my
1: imagination rocking out in the crowds and what. Oh have my it. goodness, it's a moment. That's it's a right. Moment. So tell me how how you get started playing in the band?
4: Man, okay, so um so I'm from Nashville, born and raised in Nashville and being in the inner city of Nashville growing up in the 90s, I mean, TSU is Nashville. You know, it is Black Nashville, and everything um, in Nashville kind of revolves around the energy that comes out of T- Tennessee State University, Fisk University. Um, so the marching bands have always been something very special for the city. When when you um, go to a TSU homecoming, which is actually next weekend, you know, if you haven't been to a TSU homecoming, mm-hmm. hey, this is your chance. It's, it's amazing. You know, being in that environment, seeing all the marching bands come through and be able to showcase what they have, I mean, it... it, it breeze of energy and it's something that I always wanted to be a part of um I did I kind of found an alternative route to it cuz I um initially played football and I lived in Smyrna Tennessee we ended up moving back to Nashville for some odd family reasons and um I couldn't play football anymore because of the rule TWSWA rule so I ended up just joining the band at White's Creek just okay. to keep busy you know and I, I myself didn't even realize what I was getting myself into when I joined the band. I had always played sax. I was a student at W. O. Smith Music School. Um, but when I got to the band, that's when I truly understood, you know, the culture aspect of being in um, a show style marching band, a uh, H.B.U. driven style marching band. And. It, that, that has led me, that that moment at White's Creek, I f- will forever take into my, you know, history, for sure. If you're just tuning in, this is Nashville, and I'm your host, Khalil lake We're talking this
1: hour about the legacy of TSU's aristocratic bands with assistant band director Larry Jenkins and former member Austin A. Willet Willet. Will so, Larry, A. Willet, we he was just talking about soul-stepping and, and the vibe that yes. he got from that first band he was in. And that's that HBO, HBCU style. It's fresh. It's exciting to watch. But it can't be easy. W- tell me, what type of work goes into preparing for that kind of, for the performances that y'all do every weekend at football
3: games? ooh So this starts in the summer. Um, and I always say the band is the hardest-working entity on campus. No disrespect. But the band, I'm telling you, the, the work that we put in is insane. So we used, we have four days. We call it pre-drill. Some say band camp. We say pre-drill. Um, and in pre-drill, we have four days. We start at six in the morning, music rehearsals. We go outside and, um, I'm sorry, not music rehearsals. We're outside working out, getting in shape, because it takes a lot of conditioning to do what we do. After we eat, we're in music rehearsal, and we do music rehearsals for those two um, at the most hot, Parts of the day. Mm. Then at the end of the day, we're back outside. Usually that's about 6 o'clock, and we're drilling, sweeping the field. I mean, sweeping the field means we're marching around, making sure we're keeping our line straight. Everything you can think of that you see on the field is intentional. You know what I mean? And that takes some work. It takes a lot of physical conditioning. We're really athletes. You know, I've seen people say band is a sport. Band really operates like a sport, so it's a lot of conditioning and everything to get that done. So in August, it's not just the football team out there doing two-a-days. Y'all
1: are doing four-a-days, kind of. 4 days and it's not a game. Mm-hmm. That's <laughs> wild. So, you know, with all that action, it I'm sure it makes it tough to read sheet music, if even possible. A a you, you're working on memory. You're working from memory
4: out there, right? Oh, yes, yes, F- full-blown. And I think, you know, um, people don't realize that we— during this pre-drill time, you know, like he said, um, those two indoor practices, we are learning so much music in in, in that time. I mean, by, by the time you hear the band on the field, the first game, we have learned 30, 35, 40 songs, mm-hmm. you know, by memory, you know, which means that we have to go into these sectionals and really drill it, drill it, drill it, drill it in, you know. But, I mean, what that does— for me personally, you know, as a musician who's currently, you know, out in the scene working, oh man, that gave me all the tools that I needed. Like mm-hmm. like what kind describing So, me. I'm a, I'm an improvisational person, right? So I play solos and that I'm am I'm a solo killer. That's what I do. Um <laughs> but I mean th- the idea of learning, you know, these intervals um learning all this music uh, by ear, you know, you you never that that music never leaves you. Mm. You know, I could pick up a sax and play a song that I learned, you know, um I mean, you know, from 10 years ago in marching in a band right now just because, you know, that muscle memory was, was drilled in so hard that it, it it really helped with that type of skill. And when you're playing solos, all you're doing is pulling from memory and playing things that you know have heard. Mm-hmm. Now,
1: this, this part, this is all like a part of a really deep legacy, and it's more than just being in a band to pass time or to, to satisfy some sort of credit. Mm-hmm. Larry, how much of
3: this legacy... How much of that is a part of it for the students? You know what, um, I think it's a big part of it for the students, but again, I think the moment that it'll really hit them is when some time passes and they look back and, you know, that's, that's when the legacy is starting to become the legacy. You know, this is that, that early stage of it where they're in it and they, they, I think they understand the gravity of the legacy. But when you go back, you know, 10 years from now and you're listening to and you're letting somebody hear, this was when we were in the band. We Mm. did this. You know, we were the first to do my year. That's, you know, that's a class of 22. Our year, we were the first ones to do this. That's when I really, really think that it's going to hit them and hit them hard.
1: I see you smiling. Tell me, what does it mean to shepherd in, you know, this new era and innovation for the aristocratic bands?
3: It's, It's humbling. Um, to 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 be able to be a part of that you know part of its inception um, because that's that's legacy for uh, you know myself as well for the rest of the band directors this 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 is something that's special that we can keep with us forever and just um, in the same light that I was talking about the students you know I look forward to looking back at some time and saying wow we did that we created that we started that you know what I mean and at the same time you know to know that we touched so many people from some of the texts and videos that I've seen, um, you know, it's, it's been some that have been emotional or made me emotional to the point where, you know, I'm tearing up mm-hmm. seeing how this is, um, you know, affecting people and positively positively impacting people. So yeah, this is, yeah. It's, it's hard to even conceptualize completely now, um, it's, it's just, it's legacy work. It really looks like this is a family for all of you, not just a
1: band. It's just like forever you're bonded together. A hey, well, a hey, I I wonder, you know, you're a professional musician playing. Have you ever collaborated with any of your former bandmates
4: or other alumni of the AOB? Oh, yes, most certainly. Um, for one, uh, my brother, um, who I play alongside with, we've toured the world. Um, he's the drummer for Dia Victoria. Um, he goes by uh, Daddy Naps, Naps. Uh, Tim Beatty, he was uh, you know drumline uh, snare drummer on on the on the line there. You know, um, my brother Double A, who's also a big part yeah. of um, the album here. I mean, me and him have worked on you know, so we got so much music in the chamber and things that we still working on to um, till this day. Uh, I mean, even between me and Larry, you know, I mean, we we've done stuff, we've done shows. Absolutely. I mean, we, we've been a part of you know, it, it's a it's a family, it's a family, and not only is it a family, it's a talented family. You know, and so when you think about the people who are from this family, who are going off to do music, when the opportunities come, those are the first people I look to. You know, I mean, for for it, as soon as something happens, boom, I turn to to the to the right and to the left is somebody who was uh, part of that same journey in the, in the marching band. And I say, hey, let's do it. Come on.
1: Mm. Larry, considering this moment of innovation, what do you see in the future for the aristocratic bands?
3: You know, in the future. I see us continuing um to in- innovate i think we found us a lane um doing what we did so i think we'll we'll continue to steer that ship and kind of uh, lead the way in regards to you know what we just did and then opening up new opportunities because i think really what's going to happen from what we did is going to one inspire um you know others to do some things similar Um, But also being in the forefront of it and leading it is going to open new opportunities for some doors we probably don't even know about yet. You know what I mean? Some new opportunities, some new um, inventions, some new concepts, all these things I think will come about as we continue to move forward with what we're doing uh, with this. That is Larry Jenkins, assistant band director at Tennessee State
1: University. He was joined by saxophonist, music teacher, and AOB alum, Austin A. Willey Will Larry a. Will a. thank you so much for being here, and keep on making beautiful music. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you so much. We have to take a short break. When we come back, we'll turn to the next generation of marketing bands. Where does that start? High school. We'll invite a few high school band directors and a student into the conversation. And we want to hear your experiences with our city's marching bands, whether it's from the stands or in the field. Tweet us at ThisIsNashville. We'll be right back. I'm Khalil E. and this is Nashville. When I was in high school, our marching band was not very exciting. They lacked the spark that got people to perk their ears and to pay attention during halftime. There's a lot of pressure for young musicians to move the crowd to the edge of their seats. My next guest knows what it takes, both of them. Eleni, uh, Eleni Miller is the Overton, John Overton High School band director, and she is joined by one of her students. Salsophone player and Overton Junior, Jamin Jackson. Eleni, Jamin, welcome to This is Nashville.
5: Thank you so much. We are so excited to be here today.
1: Really excited to have you both. So, so Eleni, tell me, I understand you grew up in a musical family. So is that where your interest in marching bands first formed?
5: It totally is. Both of my parents are actually music educators and I have two older brothers and they both play instruments and um, I got to watch them go through the process of joining marching band and going through the high school and college careers, playing in marching band. And I developed a deep love for the activity. And here I am today as a band director, doing okay. it myself.
1: You're a band director, but this is pretty cool. What led you back to your alma mater, John Overton Hyde, to become the band director?
5: Yeah. So it's funny. When I was in high school, I was like, oh, no, I'll never come back here, even though I, I loved it deeply. Mm-hmm. But it's funny that ne- people say never say never. <laughs> um, but as I went through college and realized I wanted to stay in Nashville, um, it was important to me to give back to something that meant so much to me when I was younger. And it kind of created me and like developed me and helped me become who I am today. And so that was really important to me that I come back here and try to give kids the same opportunities that I had.
1: So in the time that you've been here, you've made quite an impact. Tell me, what's the history of the marching band at John Overton?
5: Yeah, so Overton has had a very rich history of competitive marching band, um, from state championships to participating in BOA, Um, it's been very, very competitive focused. And this year we've kind of made an adjustment. We've made a shift to more of a community-based structure.
1: So how did you change that band's approach?
5: So over the past couple of years, I've kind of been observing, um, our audience's reactions to our shows, and we were finding that we weren't getting as much engagement and connectivity with our audiences. And so we kind of, stood back and took an Eagle Vision approach last year, trying to figure out, okay, what can we do to make this more of a community-focused ensemble? What can we do to connect with our audiences, with our student section, with our football team, with the overall Nashville community? And We decided the first step would be to kind of change what our musical selections were. If the audience can recognize the music that you're playing, that's an immediate connection that they're going to have. And so this year we're playing songs by Beyonce, Eminem, Charlie Poof, Lil Nas X, Mm. a little bit of Christina Aguilera in there. And we have really found that almost immediately our audiences have been engaged. And it's been so fun to see them interacting with us during our halftime performances.
1: I wonder, have any like students come up to you and just been saying to you, thank you, thank you for playing these songs that they can relate to?
5: I think they were a little bit hesitant at first. Like, what is this actually gonna look like with it being our first year? But after our first game, we always huddle up after our performances and talk about, you know, what did we do well? What did we still need to work on? And you could just tell on their faces, like there were smiles all around. And from that moment, I felt validated, like, okay, we made the right decision, we're moving in the right direction um and ever since then it's been it's been really exciting and the kids have been super happy
1: and we're going to hear a little bit of that sound from you all in a second but I want to bring Jamin in so Jamin tell me why did you join the Overton Marching Band
6: uh I would say there are uh, quite a few reasons uh when I was in the eighth grade uh our school Oliver we came to John Overton for a little bit of like a band meetup kind of thing, where we got to perform with the John, John Overton marching band. And uh, we got to be on the field, we got to play songs with them in the stands. And that was a introduction to marching band to me. And also, when I also got into uh, Overton, I didn't actually play a lot of the instruments that uh, were often played. I played bassoon and so I had to move to sousaphone, but, uh, uh, Ms. Miller, she gave me a fantastic introduc- introduction to the sousaphone and really showed me, Hey, the the marching band is fun. This is going to be a great experience and this is going to be a great community. So, yeah.
1: Now Eleni, do you remember the first time you heard Jamin on the sousaphone?
6: Uh,
5: yes, I certainly do. It's funny because, you know, he is a bassoon player, so you don't really know what would be a good transitional instrument for him going into marching band. And we kind of needed some sousaphones. We were kind of low on that instrument. And so I was like, you know what, let's see how this goes. And I, I gave him a mouthpiece to start and I explained, all right, this is how you set your lips. This is how you buzz. This is how you blow air through it. And I was like, let's just see how it goes. And he put that mouthpiece up and he buzzed and he blew some air and it was absolutely beautiful and i was like Mm. okay let's let's put the sousaphone together and see what you sound like gorgeous round full sound i said yes this instrument was meant for you you're in
6: (laughs) (laughs) jamin how did it feel to you oh it felt amazing i was like i i was i didn't expect a especially going from that difference of an instrument i didn't expect it to sound that good and when i first played it i like played it in front of the rest of the ensemble, and they're like, "Oh, that—that's <laughs> like that's pretty good." So, uh, yeah,
1: I love it. That sounds like one of those <laughs> moments that you'll always remember. The first time I played the sousaphone, sousaphone had changed my life. That's that's great. <laughs> now, Eleni, you talked about the changes you, that you made in your program. We have a clip that shows the direction that Overton band, Overton's band, has been going in. Here they are from just a few weeks ago performing Christina Aguilera's "Genie in a Bottle." you <laughs> All right, so that's a short clip of Overton performing part of their so-called mixtape melody of medley of pop hits. Elaine, so what 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 how did the student body really react to the band playing those modern and familiar songs? I could imagine.
5: I cannot even explain to you how relieved I felt after our first performance. The audience has never been as participatory as they have been this year. I mean, screaming in the middle of songs, screaming after songs, screaming at the end of the show. We've been to away games this year where the um, the home team is standing up and giving us standing ovations. In fact, mm-hmm. we went to one this year where the kids, the student section of the other team had this megaphone and they started like chanting part of our songs, like rapping part of our songs after we were completely off of the field and coming up to us and we had our break and talking to the kids and they were so interested in what we were doing. So that was such a great feeling.
1: That's awesome. I want to bring in my next guest. Johnny Croft is the band director at Cane Ridge High School with 18 years experience as band director under his belt. Johnny, thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. Really a pleasure. Now, you helped change the culture at Cane Ridge. Is that right?
7: Yes, the band played a a, a bit of a role in changing that culture here so, at the school. So tell me, what was the band like
1: before you changed things up?
7: Uh, the band the band here at Cane Ridge was not um, considered at the time that I came um was not considered like really just a part of the community of the school, right? It was it was in the school, but it was it was one of those like things that people kind of shied away from.
1: What were some of the things that would happen?
7: Um well, you know, um just just building community, just building community within the band, um uh, which later on spread outside the band, band, uh, which made people want to come and be a part of the band. Um, like, you know, beforehand, I guess, I don't know, I, I can't speak on what was, you know, before me, but I know that. Um, the community-based type of thing was not being built within the school.
1: So you were lifting up the members of the bands. You were lifting up their spirits. Right. What, yes. What did you do to motivate them to get them excited about this new style you were bringing?
7: Well, similar to what Elaine was saying over there, Overton, uh, we started playing more, more, more tunes that people recognize more things that were were popular. You know, like Michael Jackson, Bruno Mars, um, those type of those type of things. And uh, when they recognize those songs, it makes them, you know, flock to them, Beyonce, all those popular artists that are out there today.
1: Mm-hmm. If you're just tuning in, this is Nashville and I'm your host, Khalil Kalona. We've been talking this hour about the rich tradition of marching bands in Music City. Right now, we're talking with the next generation, with high school band directors, Johnny Croft and Eleni Miller and student Jamin Jackson. So Johnny, you're an alum of TSU and the Aristocrat of yeah. bands. So yeah, how, sir. how did you channel that experience you got there into your band at
7: Cambridge? Oh, wow. So I, my, my matriculation through TSU as a, as a student, um, afforded me a lot of opportunities you know to travel and do different things and just to see the crowd reaction when you put on a good show and i wanted my students to get that same feeling right so you know when they do a show well and the crowd recognizes it and people start singing along with it within the crowd and And um, I wanted my students to experience that same feeling as well as travel to different places. You know, we've been to Washington, D.C. We've been to um, New Orleans, Louisiana. We've been kind of all the Mid-South, Alabama, um, Georgia and everywhere like that as well. Mm -hmm. Here's a a clip of one of Johnny Croft's
1: arrangements for the Cane Ridge High School Band. They're in the bleachers bouncing in unison as they performed the song, The Show, last year. Thank you. That's a classic hip hop song. I mean, that song is nearly 40 years old. So, Johnny, when you see your students bounce into this music, what is going through your mind?
7: Like, Wow, music transcends generations, transcends time, good music. Um, It could be 30, 40 years old. People recognize good music. You could hear the audience in that clip, too, while you were playing it. Mm -hmm. Um, You could hear them, you know, reacting and cheering along. So, you know, the student, it it lifts them up. It makes them, it energizes them and wants them, you know, helps them to perform better. It's it's a brilliant way to
1: expose younger audiences to new music and old music as well. H- have any students ever asked to learn older songs that that still rock, still got a bump to them?
7: Uh, all the time. I'm the one who says we need to play the newer stuff. Oh wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like Earth, Wind and Fire and um, you know, those heavy horn um type of deals that they had in the 70s and 80s tower power and all that stuff rick james mm-hmm. they're like Man, we need to play that we need i'm like well and hey, let's play some like some current stuff too you know so we have a nice mix that's a nice little role reversal i love it uh-huh. <laughs> now eleni how would
1: you how would you like to see the influence of marching bands develop
5: yeah i think just more of this focus on community and connecting with your, your school, supporting your football team, traveling to away games, um, and just supporting all the types of like variety that there is in marching band right now. Cause there's a lot going on in different districts within a district. So I would just like to see, you know, a good focus on community and whatever really that means for you.
1: Have you ever taken your students in your band to see a TSU performance?
5: We have not, but I would absolutely love to. That album is amazing.
1: It's popping. It's popping. Now, now, Jamin, you know, to any younger person who may hear this one day or today, what do you have to say to them about being in a marching band? Why would you encourage them to do it?
6: Uh, uh, One, being in a marching band, it's like such a good community experience. You know, like, and once you get in there, like, you may be like, I got to learn a new instrument. Oh, I got to learn this new dance. We got to do... But in reality, it's just a bunch of people just getting together, learning an art. It's so nice to see like people having fun on the field. Like, even though we are working hard, like students are still like, uh, hey, this is, this is a really cool dance. This is a really good part in the song. Like, it's just a very wide sense of community. Even with other marching bands, we perform at away games and we look at the other band in the stands and they're waving to us and we're waving to them like it's a competition, but it's also a chance to see here's how these he's how here's how these students are playing their songs. And here's how how we are playing our songs and we're going to show them and they're going to show us. It's just so nice.
1: How does it feel when you look up into the stands? When you're playing and you see your friends, your classmates who aren't in band, just kind of rocking out and vibing with you all.
6: I just see it as like, uh, they're also sharing this sense of community that we have, that we have almost on a daily basis, but they get to see it like on a bigger scale, on a more professional scale on our games. And it just feels so good feeding off of their energy.
1: Now, Johnny, tell me where would you like to see the future
7: of high school marching bands go? Well, the future of high school marching bands, I would like to see um, like to see them keep moving in an upward direction um with, you know, just with positive and more participation because you know, they're doing things positive. Studies have shown that, you know, Marching band and just band in general has several different effects for the student, you know, sense of responsibility, multitask, task um, discipline, teamwork, commitment, time management, um, personal growth, and leadership mm-hmm. are just some, just to name a few.
1: Now, Eleni and Johnny, this Saturday is the big event, the Metro Marching Classic. Both of your bands are performing, along with 10 other Nashville marching bands. What are you most looking forward to, Eleni?
5: Yes, we are so, so excited for this event. Um, I think I'm just really excited for all of the MMPS kids to get to celebrate each other and celebrate their hard work and get to see what else is out there. We do a lot of different things at MMPS, from one band to the next. And I'm just really excited for the students to, to see that and to be celebrated by not only themselves, but the community coming out to support them.
7: Johnny, what are you looking forward to? I'm looking forward to seeing the other groups and just the camaraderie and community among our Metro bands. I think that's important when other kids and other students get to see that, um, and another school, those kids are doing the same thing they're doing. And other, you know, students have friends in other bands, so they get to see their friends perform too. And I'm, I'm looking forward to that. It's the first time ever it's been in the works for a while. We've been talking about it. and Now we're actually about to do
6: it. Wow. So that's the most exciting thing.
1: All right. Now, Jamin, are you hyped for this?
6: Oh, I am so hyped. We like finished our show. We are and. In- Right after uh right before this uh this whole event, we have our homecoming game. So like we're gonna see how this shows with uh Overton people, but then we get there's also like a training to see how we're gonna do this for our uh for our other bands, and that's obviously going to be like super uh super hype.
1: Uh yeah. Do you have a solo? In one of, in, in in the performance,
6: uh, uh you could say that uh, I in um one of our songs in our song where we perform Godzilla by Eminem, uh, I am rapping uh, Eminem's first verse.
1: All right. All right, that is a sight to see. It's this Saturday, the Metro Marching Classic. I want to thank everybody. That is Jamin Jackson, Jr. at John Overton High School and sosophone player in the marching band. He was joined by his band director, Eleni Miller, and Johnny Croft, the Kane Ridge High School band director. Thank you all for being out here and break a leg on Saturday. We want to thank everyone who tuned in this hour. Tomorrow, our city is all about social graces. So what is Nashville Nice? That is. This is Nashville is a production of WPLN News and Nashville Public Radio. Listen back at thisisnashville.org or wherever you get your podcasts. Our producers are Steve Harouche, Rose Gilbert, and Tony Gonzalez. Our digital lead is Ana Gallegos Cannon. Michaela Elias is our technical director. Our executive producer is Andrea Tudhope. The masterminds behind our theme music are and Namir Blade. Special thanks to Jeff Smith. The conversation doesn't end here. Tweet us at thisisnashville. Find us on Instagram and let know what you want from our show by filling out our quick survey online this is nashville i'm khalil lakaluna we'll see you tomorrow everybody and be good to each other keep the beat too